Welcome to Steam Powered, where I have conversations with women in Steam to learn a little bit about what they do and who they are. I'm your host, Michelle Ong. My guest today is Helen Huang. Helen is co-founder of CoLab and the You Belong in Tech community. As is a common theme for our Steam Powered guests, a lot of us have had pretty non-linear journeys, and Helen herself has had an indirect journey to tech, which is in part why she and her co-founder Shifumi were inspired to develop CoLab, a program that allows people of all backgrounds aspiring to be in the tech space, to develop the skills, confidence, and networks they need to get that foot in the door. CoLab achieves this by putting together teams of product managers, designers, and developers to conceptualize and ship a product with support from industry mentors. Join us as we talk about Helen's journey into tech, becoming a founder, and CoLab. Helen, thank you so much for joining me today on Steam Powered. It is amazing to have you on speaking with me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Finally excited to actually get to talk. Yeah, I know. It's been great. But, you know, absolutely got us scheduled, all ready to go. It's fantastic. So uh, we'll get right into it. Uh, we'll be talking about, you know, your thing is nonlinear paths, right? So we'll be talking about that today. And you yourself had a nonlinear path. And, you know, listening to your other interview, you started out wanting to do nursing got into earth sciences before you got into tech. So two-part question, why nursing and why earth sciences? Yeah, so I I think I definitely growing up um, heading into university or college was one of those people that had no clue what it is that I ultimately wanted to do. Um, at the time, I I was working, you know, my part-time job in high school and I my mentality at that time was actually, hey, I don't, I don't even really want to go to post-secondary school. Um, and then I was surrounded by a lot of nurses, actually, somehow, for whatever reason. <laughs> and and I think just the concept of, like, you know, really being able to help others, being able to be within, like, this medical profession and saving lives, ultimately, is what also drew me to nursing. Not to mention that nursing, at least the programs that I was looking at, they were around, like, you know, three, two to three years rather than the traditional four-year degree. And so that's why I was super, you know, enthusiastic about going. Um, the problem, though, is that because I personally hadn't very much planned out what it is that I was going to do, I had terrible grades. And I know it's also weird because I think I had super Asian immigrant parents who were very unhappy with my grades, but ultimately my <laughs> grades were still very bad. And so I actually didn't end up getting into any of the nursing programs that I applied to. Um, so that was definitely a downer. And I think it was in those moments that I recognized that, okay, actually, I, I do want to go to university. Um, but yeah. now what sort of are my options? So ultimately, I had applied to the University of Waterloo um, for earth sciences. The only reason I even went and considered that was actually because I was dating someone at the time who was also going to that university. And I was like, okay, well, I should just follow you then. Um, but <laughs> Very again, felicity of you. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> again, though, I didn't really know what I was going to experience. I think after going to the school, I didn't ever check out the school itself before choosing to go to it. It really was, hey, I applied here for one reason. I didn't get into any of the other programs that I wanted to. And ultimately, well, here's one option and I'm going to take that option. 
Yeah. Looking back, I now realize that, wow, okay, University of Waterloo first is a great school. I didn't <laughs> even have that concept in my mind when I first went to it. I just didn't even yeah. understand. Um, didn't know what co-op was, which ultimately the sense of co-op, aka the co-op program or um, Waterloo's you know, famous internship program that would basically set me down the trajectory of breaking into tech ultimately and where I am now. Um, but again, at the time, I was just walking it down this path. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I was just walking down, just, you know, continuing doing my own thing. Um, and and that's also ultimately how I ended up at Waterloo studying earth science. Wow. Okay. So, but why earth science as opposed to any of the other programs? Um, but made so, that the best of the <laughs> oh, best of the random batch, <laughs> um, because yeah. because ultimately, yes, it was exactly that. It was basically a random batch. Um, so I remember I had I had this pamphlet. Um, <laughs> I had this pamphlet <laughs> in my desk um, where I was I was always doing my homework in high school and stuff, and. Every time I would avoid doing my homework, I would browse through the pamphlet. <laughs> and so there was this new program, and I remember it had a little asterisk beside it, and it was called Science and Business. So basically, it was a science major, oh. um, and then with like a business secondary minor. And so it was one of those new programs that sounded interesting, and I was like, okay, well, here's, I guess, you know, they mentioned earth science on it. I wasn't enthusiastic about earth science. Rather, it was the only science that I hadn't taken previously in high school. So I just thought, okay, well, I don't like chemistry. I don't like biology. I don't like physics. The <laughs> only natural choice here then is to go for earth sciences within this earth, program, yeah. within this pamphlet that I would only look at when I was trying to avoid doing it. <laughs> so that is the honest, truthful answer as to why I chose earth sciences. That's awesome. That is a fantastic choice. <laughs> so yeah. did you end up actually doing the business component? Um, so I did. And, and I think it also really did play a role in helping me understand and just traverse all of the different types of industries there are out there. I'd imagine that if I didn't do the business minor, I think I would have continued I mean, I think ultimately I would have recognized that I don't like research. I don't like academia. <laughs> it's just not, it's just not for me. Yeah. Um, and I think I would have eventually realized that, but I think having that business minor just showed me to, Hey, here's a different path that someone can explore that isn't just science. Um, and you can yeah. still learn within university. So, so yeah, it was definitely helpful. Oh yeah, definitely. So once you actually finished that, like where did you take that career wise or did you automatically just want to get into tech from that in terms of, you know, what business had kind of led you to think about? Um, I'm, I'm laughing preemptively <laughs> because I feel like, you know, whenever I think back to just how I got my startings within tech, I, it always feels like my stories have something to do with romantic pursuits, <laughs> um, which is sort of true as well. So what had actually happened is that so as part of Waterloo, you have to end up going through their co-op program. So what, how that works is you study for four months, then you intern for four months, then you study for four months, and you repeat that over the course of five years. And the entire That's point cool. is that, yeah, exactly. You, you graduate with a lot of work experience under your belt, um, and so you're more prepared for entry into the workplace post-graduation. So what had happened is I was applying for jobs, I was applying for internships, and my this was somewhere in my third year 
And I remember I had, you know, worked at two Canadian banks previously within just business analysis. Again, I never even went into sciences. I, I applied a few times, but then recognized that, hey, I don't, I don't want to spend my time in a lab, so I should probably move <laughs> away from that. And then what ended up happening is at the time I was dating <laughs> this new person um, and they had just graduated and they were going to L.A. for grad school. And I remember thinking, wow, I really want to land a job in the United States. I really want to be closer to L.A., et cetera. And so I started applying for jobs and realizing that, wow, okay, if I applied to jobs at banks, no company would take me because they didn't sponsor visas. The only companies that did sponsor visas for people out of the country were tech companies in tech, tech companies. roles. Yeah, exactly. And so that's that was really the first time that I was thinking, wow, technology, right? Like this is a completely yeah. different industry. Um, at the time, I still didn't know anything about product management or product in general. And so I ended up applying to a role um, called project management at, at this gaming company that I really liked. Um, it went terribly, <laughs> the interview. So <laughs> I, I landed in an interview, but you know, they, they asked me, hey, wh what experience do you have with Agile? And I, I didn't know what Agile was. Um, yeah. And I think now I'm like, wow, okay, I totally understand what that means and how I'd phrase and rephrase sort of my answer. But at the time, I thought it was another piece of software. Um, yeah. So I remember sort of bumbling through my answers saying, oh, yeah, you know, but I'm a fast learner. I'll search up tutorials on how to use it, yeah. documentation. Um, so I just had no clue what was really happening in the tech industry, didn't get the job, wasn't able to go to the yeah. US. Um, but what that did sort of introduce me to was at least project management. Because I had landed an initial project management internship or that interview, I realized that, okay, you know, I don't only have to look at business analyst roles um, when I'm looking yeah. for my internships. I can look at, you know, project management. And so I remember searching for, for jobs and during that internship and um, I saw this one role called product management, and I actually thought it was the exact same thing. It was at a company um, called Zynga. They make Farmville and other Facebook games now. Yep. And and I remember thinking, okay, so I got a project management internship interview previously, so I'm pretty sure I can land this one. I'm sure it's the same thing. Um, somehow, you know, I landed the interview. I landed the job. I started the job and that's when I realized that, wow, okay, this is completely different than just project management. Um, yes. I actually get to make decisions here. Um, and so that <laughs> definitely was my, my first step into the role and ultimately sort of bouncing off of that um, and leveraging that experience was what got me into program management at Microsoft, Yes, um, where I then stayed for the past, you know, four and a bit years prior to, to leaving and starting CoLab. So that, that in a rut is sort of my overall journey and uh, yeah. romantic um, escapades <laughs> that led me into tech. Yeah, well, whatever gets you there, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because, you know, I, I over prep everything. So when you actually ended up landing that product management job and you discovered that this isn't what you expected, how did you... How did you ramp up that knowledge and the and the skills that you needed to be able to kind of perform and do your job? <laughs> mm -hmm. That's a really good question. I think for me at the time and looking back, 
I really just bumbled my way through that first initial product management internship. Nowadays, if someone asks me that question, I would easily be able to say, okay, well, you know, here's a bunch of resources, here's different types of people that you can maybe contact and try to speak to. Here are all of the avenues where you can get your information. But at the time, I, I was so new to tech. I was And I think beyond being new to tech and the industry, it was also being new to understanding that I had a say in sort of defining what would happen in my own life, right? Up until then, I was very much one of those people that was like, okay, whatever happens, happens, (laughs) you know, like this is how it was going to be. So like, I have no say in any of that, right? And so at the time, how did I actually prepare? I, I don't feel like I did. I I don't feel like I was prepared at all for anything that was happening uh, during that internship. And I remember um, needing to learn SQL to like comb through data. And I had no idea what SQL was and just spending like afternoons outside of work, of course, like crying out of sheer stress of like, (laughs) hey, I don't know SQL and I don't even know what I'm using SQL to find. Right. I know that it's it's so hard to imagine nowadays because we're all about I mean, you as well, you know, on within the tech space, we're all about data driven decisions and using data to do whatever. Right. Um, But at the time, I seriously didn't understand, like, what is the data for? It would have been so overwhelming. Yeah, because, you know, the scope of what you'd need that information for is just so nebulous. You'd have no idea of where to begin or kind of how to get. The information that you needed out of it yeah and i, Not I to didn't mention even know. having to learn sequel <laughs> exactly exactly all all of these things because I, I didn't even know what my ultimate goal was as a product manager i didn't know what a product manager did <laughs> um and it it really wasn't until like midway through that internship and like the later half of that internship when i realized um but that was again two months into a full-time internship that not a lot of people even get the privilege of experiencing. Um, and yeah. so I, I sometimes I laugh about it now, but but yeah, I really was not prepared. Um, I didn't have anyone that I could speak to about it because I also didn't understand the concept of reaching out and leveraging my community and having a network. Like I just thought that, yeah. okay, it's just me by myself. I'm just going to struggle through it by myself and that's all I can do. <laughs> yeah, that would have been such an agonizing period because you'd yeah, it's very isolating, especially when you are surrounded by so much new information that you don't understand in an area that you're just scraping the surface of. And, you know, yeah, it really is so important to have not even just mentors, but people you can bounce that information off, mm-hmm. whether it's colleagues or friends. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was an internship, did they provide that kind of support or just it just wasn't very clear at the time? I feel like they tried to provide that type of support. Um, I think for a variety of reasons, I didn't leverage it as best I could. One is because I didn't know how. (laughs) So even if that support was provided to me, I didn't know the strategic questions to ask, nor did I know what could even be expected from a mentor. And I think that this is probably no one's fault. It really is just it is just personal growth type of thing. Um, And after you walk through it is when you recognize that, oh, wow, I I had all of these resources. Because again, at that time, I was not someone who was, I would not consider myself a self-starter by any means. I, again, was just trying to cruise through things. Um, So really didn't recognize like, oh, wow, I could be changing a lot of things. I could be optimizing how I work, et cetera. 
because you're new, you're an intern, you've just come out of college. It's um, an entirely different environment that a lot of people aren't used to coming yeah. from um, a learning environment to an environment where you do have to learn how to take initiative very, very quickly. Yeah. And actually, that's a, that's a really good point as well. I think just that switch of knowing that, okay, you need to switch and that to be optimal in your work environment, especially in the role of a product manager, you you do need to make that switch to make those recommendations because um, yeah. that's literally the job. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So I guess we're starting to, you know, it's taking shape the way that, you know, you got from there to here now. So once you actually started getting into program management, how did you make the switch from product management to program management? Yeah, I think at least within Microsoft, it's also so different to tell exactly what PM stands for. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, yeah. what is the difference between program management and product management? And is there a difference? Um, and I feel like there, there absolutely is. Um, I would say that product management, you know, if it's on one side, project management is on the other side and program is sort of in the middle where um, there's sort of a combination. And again, at a company like Microsoft, where it's so big, no one title is even going to come close to representing the actual role that you'll be working on. So I think for me, initially, I definitely stayed towards more of the program management side of things. Um, but in the later part of my years at Microsoft, I did switch teams. Um, I ended up going onto a very DevOps heavy team, building um, products for developers that are related to, you know, CICD, um, et cetera, and just artifacts, deployments, et cetera. And so when I moved into that space is really when I stepped more so into the role of a product manager. Um, so starting to use data again to make decisions, starting to actually hone in on the product vision and like the product strategy. Um, and so for me, that transition honestly was a very easy transition. Um, it just really <laughs> involved, again, interviewing in a company that I was already in and familiar with. Right. It was just about leveraging like those internal references and people that I had already worked with in the past to to try out something new on the product management side. I will say, though, and just being honest, I feel like <laughs> looking back, um, you know, after starting Colab and doing a lot more things for it outside of just traditional product management, I'm, I'm very confident that, yeah, I don't, I don't think my passion lies within product management um, <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, maybe not at all. So I, I still do enjoy doing a lot of the things, especially as, you know, the co-founder of Colab, but whether it's, yeah. you know, for something as specific as technical product management, I just don't think yep. I'm that interested. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, like you, there are aspects of the job that you'll be good at, and but there's parts of it where it's just not going to be a thing. It's not going to be your space where you'll actually feel that you are making a difference in the way mm -hmm. that you want. And that's just the nature of things. That's just the way that it works when you're trying to, you know, especially because there's so many, the range of work and jobs out there is so mm -hmm. broad now. Like you, yeah, it's, it's hard to find that exact little combination of things and skills and um, outcomes that's really going to, you know, switch you on. Yeah, exactly. It is so dependent on the context of what you're working on, like the team, yeah. um, et cetera, that it's so hard to tell until you're actually in the role. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So coming from that, like you've gone from product management at Microsoft to starting your own business. Like that, that's a big jump. 
So what motivated you to, you know, start on? Okay, we'll rewind. You'll probably be able to explain this a bit better than I am, but mm -hmm. you've created CoLab and the You Belong in Tech community. And yeah, so what is it? How does it work? And why? Um, so CoLab essentially is a education program for aspiring techies. Um, where we help them get the real-world team-based experience of really working within tech. So what that actually means is we, <laughs> we help aspiring product managers, designers, and developers. We pair them into teams, and we help them ship their first product together. So how it came about is, I mean, even just my own personal experience. So I talk about how I worked at Zynga as a product manager, I jumped into Microsoft, et cetera, but to land those roles, it actually ended up taking over 500 job applications. Um, and I remember I applied to 500 and I had four interviews total in response. And so that's, that's nuts. yes, it was extremely uh, demotivating. <laughs> um, yeah. And just like, you know, over time, it definitely wears on you in terms of, hey, you don't even really know what's wrong because you, you don't get the feedback, right? You just, yes. you don't hear back if you got rejected. It is just whew, gone in the void. Um, so I think though, ultimately the real reason for that and just after going through some more interviews as well as understanding that, okay, people want to hire people with experience. But yes. as someone on the other side, if you don't have experience and you need the job to get the experience, you're just stuck in yep. this endless catch-22. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. And and that's that's the experience that I had getting into the tech industry. And so after, you know, going to Microsoft and, you know, working there for a few years, I started to have a lot of people messaging me and asking me how, how they could do the same thing, how they could get into product management. And that's sort of how it all started. Um, and it's also the similar case for my co-founder Shifumi as well. So speaking about how Waterloo really did change my life, um, I actually met Shifumi, who's now my co-founder, when we were both interns at Microsoft. And we became really good friends and started to work on a variety of projects together, but never something so big as you know a startup or a company. But this was an area that we were both really aligned in because he also had a lot of people asking him how he broke into tech. And so when we came together and thought about, hey, what are the current options for people who do come from these not so traditional backgrounds, you know, who didn't study the strict computer science, didn't graduate from a top school, or maybe a little bit later on in your careers and trying to pivot and move into tech, what are the options that they have to actually break into the industry? And so currently the options, you know, they have some options, but they're not all that great, right? Because yeah. one of the things that we felt like it was lacking was really that cross-team collaborative experience. So for example, right now, if you want to become a developer, you can go to a bootcamp to code, but ultimately coding is a means to an end, right? It's yeah. about what it's only product- part of the puzzle, yeah. Exactly, like what, what product are you building? Who is this for? What is the impact? And all of those things, the value of building products within the, these engineering teams really comes at the intersection of a bunch of different disciplines like marketing, sales, and then product management, design, engineering, et cetera, all of that good stuff. Um, but that, that hands-on component of what it really feels like to work within a team across these different, different disciplines was something that, you know, there were no options 
for that. Um, and yes. so that's why with Collab, that is the component that we're really trying to focus on. Because um, in addition to you know creating something real for actual users and being able to understand how to work across disciplines, it's also about even just gaining the confidence that, hey, this is what it looks like in the real world environment. I've done it as part of Collab. I built this amazing thing. It's live. You can check it out. It's not just another you know few lines on my resume. It's actually something tangible you can use. Um, yeah. And I've done it here, and it was it was hard, but but I was able to do it. And so now I can bring those same capabilities into whatever next role that I'm looking for. Um, and so that ultimately is sort of the ethos behind you know why we do collab, and also why our entire moniker and mission is about you know this concept of you belong in tech. Um, it's really yeah. about just empowering and also I guess emphasizing just the value of thought diversity within the industry. And that, you know, a bunch of people can come from all of these different backgrounds and yes, it'll be hard and you got to put in the work. But ultimately, when we are all at the table is when we're going to be able to create these amazing, you know, inclusive products for a global audience. Um, and so that that in a gist is basically what what it is that Collab is about and also why both Shafumi and I feel so passionately about working on it. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head it's all about the diversity of thought and the range of experience that you need to be able to make a complete product mm -hmm. whether it's you know software whatever like you know so many of the courses as you said they're all very isolated in the way that they teach you they you know they only give you this one component and there's so many other aspects of it that you need to have as a developer so many of them think in very very small scale because they're just focused on this is me making code to do the thing, but it's not understanding, you know, but this is the outcome. This is mm -hmm. the impact. This is who we're doing it for. This is how we're going to do it. This is why it's going to be able to make money. And there's so many like freelancing, um, as a software dev for the last decade, a lot of the clients, it's like, well, I want to build a thing. It's like, okay, cool. We can build the thing, but you know, who's your audience? Mm -hmm. How are you going to market it? What are the, what, you know, you need to think about the infrastructure, the kind of scale that you want to look for, the size of the audience that you want. And there are all these other aspects of business development that mm -hmm. they lack and that they mm -hmm. don't understand because you go, oh, you know, I just need a dev and that's it. I'm going to be my 10% entrepreneur and this is how we're going to do it. Like, yeah, it's a bit more to it than that. But <laughs> unless you have the experience and you talk to other people in similar spaces, you don't understand what other parts there are in this machine that you want to build. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. So, yeah, exactly. It, it's, yeah. And it's just amazing that, you know, you have, you know, it's, you know, do, doing the training, but you're also doing the product development, you're giving them experience. And, you know, all of this together is the package of, you know, what people expect out of employees who are trying to apply for these positions. Exactly. Exactly. It's about yeah. showing even just the initiative and having the motivation <clears throat> and like ambition to to yes. seek out all of these things and actually have something tangible exactly and and that's very very cool oh yeah so because you've got you know a range of people from a wide variety of predominantly non-technical backgrounds i assume some of them will have some experiences along the way um how do you tailor these programs to cater for the wide range of potential knowledge gap mm-hmm um, that's a really good question, and I, I laugh because it's it's literally something that we consider and think about all the time, and that's why 
sometimes, you know, I, I think about it and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, this is a startup, right? This is a startup. <laughs> but, but it is also so different from like a traditional startup company as well, right? Because we're not building a SaaS product. We're not building something that's like a platform and a one size fits all. I think education, yes. you know, as I'm sure we all know is, is so tailored and so specific. And that's more so the case when you're actually working within a team the entire way through. Just imagine going to school and everything is reliant on your team. <laughs> um, so that's both the, you know, what could be stressful component of collab, but it's also what is the best part of collab as well, is being able to have all of these team situations, being able to speak to those team experiences in the interviews and the applications and on the job and really able to like glean the, the the learnings out of it um but it is a really good question i guess as like organizers and on the co-founder <laughs> side so one of the things that we we try to do of course is in our initial like vetting period we make sure that you know people can sort of pass the expectations that we're setting um right now we also actually work with other boot camps and other um post-grad institutions to sort of help yeah. their students and the entire point of that is so that there is some you know, some bar of technical understanding that they cross and that we're able to vet for in terms of their like soft or culture fit afterwards. Um, yeah. Outside of that, though, it's also about setting the right type of expectation because the expectation that we also set with every single collaborator or, you know, person participant who takes our program is that this really isn't like your traditional school. Right. We're not going to yeah. have these modules that you're check off on a curriculum and then you graduate and you're done. It really is going to be in your hands to control and to drive and to adjust for. Um, and yeah. that's why I think it's so mm -hmm. beneficial for the people to come through our program after they identify that, yes, this is the type of experience that I'm looking for. I know that it is going to be ambiguous and I don't know what the outcome is, um, but I know that I'm going into it thinking and hoping for the best and just fully prepared. Um, and so ultimately, it's sort of a mix between that. But of course, we do our magic on the back end to make sure yeah. that uh, teams run smoothly <clears throat> and that teams also have the guidance and support from industry mentors who are also very passionate about the space to really help us just act as the guidelines and the, the safety net for these teams. That's very, very cool. So with the teams, you've got, you know, each of the components needed to, you know, get a product out the door. With the mentors, how does the mentoring system work? Um, is it one of each category again that's assigned to a team or is it like a pooled resource? <laughs> yeah, actually, so uh, it's it's funny because when we drew this out, both Shifumi and I were like, huh, we're, we're literally creating organizations <laughs> um, yes. within within like a company with all of the structure yeah. yes exactly because so what happens is that this is a sort of like a cohort-based program where you as an individual you're going through it with your team but there's multiple teams going through it at the same time as well um, so for example this current cohort there's actually 15 teams creating 15 different distinct products so Within a team, you have your product manager, your designer, and two developers. So that's what makes up the core of a team. However, in terms of support, you have a mentor on top of that team. So the mentor, we call them a pod mentor, but essentially you can just think of them as like a, the team's manager. Um, they yeah. just make sure that their teams are able to consistently like week over week be meeting the milestones that they're setting um, and are unblocked in case of any issues of, hey, you know, I don't have my hi-fi designs yet. I can't start coding or 
or stuff like that. Um, every participant also then has a discipline mentor. Um, so that's someone, you know, within product management, design or development that sort of helps them navigate how to work in an interdisciplinary manner, as well as just any other career questions. So one of the things that we really try to do with Colab is that, I mean, ultimately with Colab, you're learning by doing, right? You're figuring things out on yeah. your own. But what that involves is also that there's not one single point or a single method of doing things. Um, tech is super vague in that way, which, you know, there's no yes or no, there's no right or like completely wrong. Just like how breaking into tech, there isn't one path or one background that's a fit for it. And so that's why we try to give exposure to our participants as much as possible to how industry experts do it and how industry experts differ from even each other in doing it. Um, so that the entire purpose is that by the end, you're really crafting your own way of doing things um, instead yeah. of just following the step-by-step -step guideline. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, it's rarely ever going to be step-by-step. -step. Even agile, I mean, by definition, it's agile. Yeah. But everybody implements it in a slightly different way. Exactly. And, you know, there's the joke about it's we're, we, we're agile, but... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's great that they're all getting this very tailored experience and learning along the way. So with the people who, you know, haven't done product management or haven't done dev or haven't done design, um, I mean, having a mentor is such a useful resource, but mm -hmm. to be able to go from zero to that in a five-month period, that's really steep as <laughs> a learning curve. So how is that process managed or negotiated for the amount of learning needed <laughs> well first of all i'm just going to let you know that it's actually five weeks <laughs> oh sorry five weeks oh my god even no, worse <laughs> no i know i know that's yeah. why i was like ha huh, that's so funny um so ultimately, <laughs> yeah, yes definitely i think ultimately collab is a very good um intermediary step between someone sort of being familiar with the space and ultimately landing their job but at yeah. the end of the day, of course, the more training, the better, the more training, the better. But there's also a sense of, hey, when you're ready, you should, you shouldn't always wait until you feel like you're ready. You should just take the yeah, jump. You're never going to be ready. <laughs> when you, as soon as you start considering it and sort of starting to yeah. see what happens. Um, one of the other interesting things that Shifumi always tells me is that, hey, and I think that someone else said this, but I don't know who, so I'm coining it as Shifumi told me. <laughs> but he was like, Helen, you know, if we, if we, if we aren't embarrassed by our product or by our program when we look back on it, then we probably just shipped it too late. And so um, that's that's something that I think about a lot, actually, in terms of like tweaking every little bit, making sure that it's impactful and helpful to our students. Um, but ultimately, it is a lot of learning jam packed in a very short period of time. But we're hopeful that this also acts as sort of the springboard into whatever next steps that they they feel like they want to do um you know beyond even just creating the product or what it's for it's also we want each of our students to go out with with the confidence of knowing that okay well actually i i do have this um i am more than capable and whether i'm looking for a job now or wanting to do my own side project or feeling inspired to continue with the project that i've been working on as part of collab um, that's sort of yeah. what we aspire for them for them to do. 
That's amazing. Yeah, giving them the foundations at least to get a feel for all the different aspects of how product and software works. It's cool. Mm -hmm. So out of the cohorts that you have, how many have gone on to find other work in other industries versus continuing on with the product that they've developed? Actually, so close to 50% of our teams end up continuing to build out their products. Um, of course, it's not in a, like a full-time basis or anything like yeah. that. But rather, you know, when you when you don't have a community and you, you come in not really knowing anyone from any other different disciplines, and you find a team that you work well with in a problem space that you're interested in because, hey, a PM has explained the impact of this to you or you've discovered yeah. yourself like why it's impactful to work on. Um, it's also just a good feeling to have to continue to push through with something like that um, to even act as an anchor or like a reminder or, you know, just a another source of a portfolio project on their resumes and stuff like that. So yeah. quite a few of our teams actually do continue to work together. Um, also quite a few of our participants do end up landing jobs um, in our winter 2021 cohort actually two-thirds of our dev cohort landed jobs prior to the program even ended um, oh, so nice. I thought that was I thought that was super interesting um, and and yeah so most of the people do end up continuing down the path um, of tech and if not landing jobs then just actively interviewing and stuff like that that's nice. And I guess a few of them have also decided, no, this is not for me at all. <laughs> um, actually, none of them have. They've just continued <gasps> to... Amazing. Yeah, they've, they've definitely, I think if anything, it's sort of solidified that, okay, well, actually, this experience is the type of experience that I'm looking for in my upcoming role. Um, yeah. So, yeah. That's brilliant. There's so many different ways that they can, you know, go with that. That's very, very great. Nice. The data on this must be amazing. <laughs> Just speaking as a nerd, uh, I, I wish I wish we had uh, the bandwidth to collect better, better data. That's that's what I got yeah. to say about that. Ah, yes. I guess it's going to be a thing that's going to have to come up later on. Mm -hmm. Business development. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, everything happens all at once as a founder. So I know. I got to prioritize. He's like, right, fraud out the door. We'll figure out the analytics next. <laughs> that's very very cool. So I guess, how has your experience so far in, you know, your business degree, product management, program management, uh, informed your startup enterprise? Um, I feel like, I mean, so first of all, very clearly, there's a certain level of like subject matter expertise that I feel like if I wasn't a product <laughs> manager, I probably would not be equipped to yeah. tell people about. Um, I definitely think that if I didn't have the experience of like working within a team, like access to even just my own personal network of people within tech already, um, it would be much harder in terms of like breaking in, in terms of being able to find like appropriate resources and like mentors for each of our students. So right yeah. off the bat, like I think having that network and having that just overall context and background has been super helpful. So the second thing that I think has been helpful is really just the PM mindset. Sometimes I'm like, hey, if someone <laughs> isn't a PM, how do they organize their lives? And I mean, <laughs> you're not a PM, but yeah. I feel like you probably do organize your life in some way as well. And so I know that that's not really a valid question, but, but I really do wonder that because I think 
you know, being a product manager and having this concept of like understanding the hypotheses that we're trying to test, understanding like the success metrics or the criteria that I'm aiming for or what I'm testing, right? Or experimenting on. All of those things are concepts that I I learned as part of my product management career that I'm 100% taking into, into working on Colab and really building out the program to be better and more impactful. Um, even just the concept of speaking to customers and not asking leading questions and really looking beneath the underneath of what it is that they want. Because one of the interesting things that they tell you is that, hey, you know, customers will tell you they want a faster horse when in reality <laughs> they just want a car. Um, and so like being able to understand like the things to focus on and prioritize um, yeah. I think that has been so critical and I, I do feel like that is all experience that I gained as a PM. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it completely speaks to the fact that, you know, you do need to have all these people around you with these different skills and these different experiences, because even if it's not your primary skill set, it's still the way that you need to think about things and learning how they, what their objectives are, what their priorities are informs your own and it mm -hmm. lets you think about things in a different way as well so you know every dev needs to be a bit of a pm every pm needs mm -hmm. to understand the needs of the dev and the designers you know you need to pull them all together to be able to make this thing work and you need to understand you know stakeholder management all of that mm -hmm. and you know inter-team communication it's all very important and the diversity of thought not terms of backgrounds but experience and not just work experience, life experience. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, all of it just kind of lends itself to each, to the entire objective. Very, very cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I just love these things. And yeah. I was like, oh, yes, yes, exactly what you just said. And meanwhile, in my <laughs> mind, they're like, oh, separate concepts. And somehow you tied them together. So thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. But yeah, it, uh, part of this is, you know, talking to all of my other guests because all of this comes up all the time. Like it, it literally is the repeating theme across so many of the people I've spoken to. And it's about the fact that they do have to work with all those other people. We've got scientists who have to work with lawyers and, you know, patent um, lawyers and all these other things, patient attorneys, all of the stuff that they have to kind of interact with that's completely outside of their space. But by knowing what they need, they're able to do what they need to do in a different mm. way and in better ways so yeah it yeah definitely a recurring theme <laughs> mm, interesting yeah that's super that's super interesting thanks yeah that's all right <laughs> yeah so yeah it's a definitely a thing that everybody has to encounter no matter what space research industry whatever it's a yeah and i guess part of the reason why i'm doing this because you need to see that it's not just about the one thing that you're focused on it's not just about your bubble Mm -hmm. Yeah. So have you sought out your own mentor for your vision, given that you're giving everyone else these opportunities? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, that's so funny <laughs> because, um, well, I mean, short story, no. Um, but I'm, I feel like I'm working on it. I feel like I'm working on it. I, I actually, that's, that's also not true. I feel like I definitely have a group of people that I'm able to talk to about this kind of stuff now yeah. whether they're like an official mentor capacity i don't think so um but i'm definitely grateful to be having other people along for the journey and just sort of understanding what we're able to like go through all together um one of yeah. like 
also very grateful to have just my co-founder who I can speak to about a lot of these things. Um, I'm one of those lucky founders that gets to work with one of their their good friends. Um, so yes. it's always just a fun time as well while we're learning by doing ourselves. <laughs> That's very, very cool. Yeah, like having that community is so important because, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And, mm -hmm. you know, you need to be able to bounce these ideas off everyone else to be able to make sure that you're on the right track yourself. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> am I am I <laughs> way out of line here for thinking this way and stuff like that? And having someone trustworthy to be able to share their perspectives really does put your own view into perspective. Yes, definitely. I, I really like the quote that's like, you know, you go faster when you're by yourself, but you go further alone. Or, or something yeah. like that. I mean, so you go further when you're working together with like others when you're when you're together. I feel like I butchered that quote, but hopefully the sentiment <laughs> is not lost. Um, yes. In that, yeah, it really does take a village for for almost close to everything that we'll ever work on. Um, and so I think having those key collaboration skills, those what feels like softer skills, but really isn't. Um, I think it's super key now. And yeah, that, that's definitely a big thing. Like a lot of people say that this is the soft skills and a lot of people under, uh, downplay the value of the soft skills in how it can contribute to what you do and mm -hmm. improving your entire workflow, right? Yeah, it's yeah, all about the soft skills. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stop calling them soft then. <laughs> Just yeah, kidding. exactly. Well, well, it's true, right? Because um, yeah, one of the other things is you know, the show is called Steam Powered because the A in Steam, I think, is so important because we do have to communicate. We mm -hmm. do have to do all these other things that are not usually part of our primary training, whether we do it formally or otherwise. Mm -hmm. And yeah, a lot of people forget the importance of that in being able to tie everything together. Mm -hmm. So when you decided, Wishifumi, to start Colab as a proper business, you know, that, to me, like, that would have been pretty intimidating just to the idea of being able to branch on your own, starting this entire business by yourself. How did you make the leap from it being your, I wouldn't call it a side hustle because mm -hmm. it's more than just a hustle. This is a whole community you're building. How did you go from wanting to make this a side project and being brave enough to kind of leave your primary work to focus on this full time? Yeah, um, I think... It definitely did start off as a side hustle, so feel free to use those words. <laughs> um, what, what had ultimately actually happened is that because of the pandemic, I, I had been working you know, in Seattle, and because of the pandemic, I decided, hey, I want to go back to Toronto, which is where my family is and where Shifumi is as well. Um, and, and so I did that, and after I got back here, I, it was a pandemic. <laughs> Everything was closed. I wasn't going <laughs> to do anything. Um, and so Shifumi had was starting to talk to me about this this concept of like, hey like let's let's do a startup you know you and i have worked on projects in the past all of them have been around like building community and stuff like that but none of them have been the startup-esque idea so i'm i'm gonna build something this is what like he was also already going to build something he's <laughs> like i would love to have you join me and like be a part of it and really that's actually how it happened because between the two of us, I was I was never the person. So throughout all of this, again, similar to what I said at the beginning of this entire thing, of, <laughs> you know, I was really someone who had just, you know, life will just happen. And I'm not too 
Um, you know, I don't feel too strongly about most things. So I'm just going to like chill and, you know, live a happy life and try to, you know, spread kindness wherever I can. And that'll be the impact that I make. And so I was very much that kind of person. Never did I think that, never did I think that I would have my own company or sort of work things out in this way, however it turned out somehow. Um, And so when he said that, he didn't even ask me like, hey, do you want to do a startup with me? It was just, hey, I'm working on this thing. Do you want to do this small piece of it? Um, I think (laughs) on Shafumi's side, he had already learned from previous instances of him asking me to do a startup because I would never do it. Um, And so somehow, though, this time, because I had nothing to do anyway, I was like, okay, yeah, sure, let's do it. So we started, we started off in September 2020, ran our first cohort then, and as it went on is when I realized that, wow, okay, I'm spending a lot of time <laughs> doing this. Um, <laughs> it's not these three, four hours that you promised. It's, it's actually like three <laughs> or four hours minimum a day. Um, and, but still, like, I never thought about, okay, leaving my job or anything like that. And it wasn't until, you know, probably midway through the second cohort that you know him and I we were also at the same time considering like what is this going to be is this going to be sort of a side thing that we'll just do and run for fun because it could be right or is it something that we're really going to try to grow into a business and if it's a business are we trying to be a small business Um, because you can have a very profitable very like impactful small business or are you trying to make it a startup where you're trying to make this brand go global and all of the getting VC money and all of that stuff. And I'll say that even now we're still sort of like considering, oh, what, what, what is the next step? What is the next step? And maybe a good startup founder would have had like their five-year plan ready already. <laughs> um, but, you know, as also first time, well, actually Shavumi is not a first time founder, but for me, I am. And, and so I think, you know, I'm doing my best in terms of figuring it out. Um, but the reason why we actually both went full-time on it, um, and that also actually only happened in March for both of us, March of this year, so it hasn't even very been very long, um, is because, I mean, on my end, I was spending a lot of time. I didn't have the bandwidth to continue to do my entire job, 9 to 5 at Microsoft, and then pivot to this and still do a good job. We were starting a new cohort and there were 64 students going through it. Oh, and at this goodness. point, it was just Shafumi and I. And, and, and we had like amazing mentors and stuff like that. But even building out, hey, what do the mentors do? What do they say to us? Yeah. Um, all of that took so much time. And it was just this like overwhelming thought of, wow, like I can't manage this many people going through a program at once while I do a nine to five job. Um, yeah. At You're the running same, a school. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, at the same time, one of our previous product managers, he had actually just landed a job at Microsoft as a product manager. And, cool. and this was someone who was coming into the space with zero experience in tech. You know, he was a complete beginner when he went through our program. And within like less than a month from graduation, he was able to land his PM job. And I remember thinking, wow, like someone who went through my my school yeah. landed a job at my same company in the same like title range. <laughs> and yes. when when that happened, I was like, wait, so that that's that's super I'm interesting. An impact. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also that wow, like I feel like 
yes, there's there's something that's working here. There's people that feel better about like their own skills. We're getting the sense of increased confidence after every cohort. What is it about it that is preventing me from jumping myself? Um, and so, yeah. obviously, you know, spoiler, I did leave. <laughs> I left my company. Um, and, you know, I had Shifumi support, which was awesome. And I, I also wouldn't be here as well if I... Um, if it wasn't also for my like current boyfriend who is also a startup founder uh, just sort of like pushing me to do it and also letting me know that you know it's about opportunity cost right and there's there's no right choice i could stay at the company i could leave at the company i could do my own thing and just go gung-ho on it but ultimately i i just really needed to pick the path that would optimize for my own learning and growth and um yeah just consider all of the things outside of like just money, right? Um, yes. Outside of like financials, what, where would I learn? Like how, after comparing like, you know, the safety net and what's the runway and all of those logistics, ultimately it's still about who will you meet in this journey? Which one is more exciting? Um, what about the impact that you want to make and you are making and so all of those those types of things, and I, I really did give it a lot of thought. Like, I, I think the first time that I had considered quitting was probably, you know, in, like, October. <laughs> and Wow. And I think I always knew that, wow, like, I had found something. It was, I've always been about community building and, like, diversity, inclusion, and belonging. And I found something that was in that space, so I always had this nagging suspicion but it wasn't until February when we had all of those students that I just knew that, hey, you know what? Like, which one am I going to regret more? Am I going to regret staying at Microsoft or am I going to regret the other one? And I think the yeah. the answer was clear. And after I did it, definitely now looking back, it was 100% the right answer because I, I wouldn't trade the, this time for, for anything else. That's brilliant. Yeah, just... A lot of self-reflection having to go on right there. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I feel like I sort of went on an entire like no. rant that took you from here to there. But yeah. No, this is absolutely important because so many times for all of us, even if it's not going from, uh, if it's going from job to job or different like field, you know, sea changes, all of these sorts of things, you do need to reflect on priorities and what's holding you back and what, you know, you need to move forward and what kind mm -hmm. of opportunity cost there is. And, you know, there's so many people who are making those decisions all the time. And it's good to hear, you know, even if it's just, you know, the stream of consciousness, consciousness type of thing, it's good to hear the way that people are thinking about these things and that we're not the only ones having to think that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Just recognizing that, wow, like these are, I mean, everyone is going to think a different way. Everyone has a different risk tolerance. Everyone has a different safety net. But I think for most people, this is all of the stuff that they consider as well. Um, and it's good to yeah. have that like sense of reference to compare to. Definitely. Like a lot of it is, you know, it, it's all the common fears, all the common concerns about success and failure and leaps of faith. Yeah, it's all very good. Yeah. With a lot of these things, because you are going from a stable income to something that is uncertain, how how did you reconcile this um, lack of financial stability when you were making that choice to make the leap? Um, I think for me, it was it was probably less hard than I made it out to be. So 
I come from just, I guess, for a general sense of like even my background, right? I think the first time that I had a job was um, when I was 15. That was the earliest age that you could start working here in Canada. I worked at an amusement park and, you know, at the time, you know, I worked there and I actually had two other jobs happening at the same time. <laughs> and so I think <laughs> from just even younger, like I had always been in this type of like not so great financially <laughs> space, <laughs> I would say. Um, my parents, they they also immigrated. I mean, of course, we, we all immigrated from China over to Canada. And my parents own a fast food store, which is where they work. Um, and I also worked there for some time of my life as well. I was one of those classic Asian kids yeah. in, a, <laughs> in a store <laughs> working. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, for my parents and I guess for growing up, I, I always had the sense of like more. I always need more. I always need more. Like it never felt like there was that sense of stability because I didn't really know what that number or what that value was. Right. Yeah. And I think. I think that's why it was harder for me than it really needed to be. Because if I took a step back and I, I compared all of the experiences that I had at Microsoft, I was always a big saver. You know, I, I, I have runway. <laughs> I have yeah. a lot of runway. But for me, it was just that mental ability. In addition to the runway, I was also back in Canada. You know, like I was close to my parents. I could live at home if I wanted to. And all of these different types of things I, I could have like you, you used. You had potential safety nets, yeah. 100%. And I, I was, I'm lucky to have had that privilege as well. But, but I think for me, it was really just this mental thing of, hey, you know, growing up, always seeking the stability. Finally, finally, finally finding that stability at Microsoft um, and not understanding whether just, hey, can I, can I let go of it? Can I, like, will I compare myself to friends years down the line and feel like I made the wrong choice? Like, because, again, when you're seeing other people achieve certain things and you, you always, like, as much as I hate to say it, there's always going to be that sense of comparison, right? Of or at least at least and that was the case when I was, when I was thinking. Um, so, sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say, yeah, there's always that sense of comparison. And even though you know rationally it doesn't make sense because their path is different mm -hmm. and their their priorities are different, their skill set, their journey is entirely different to yours. So comparing doesn't really make sense, but you're still going to do it anyway because yeah. always compared to you, their version of success is potential, like what you could have as well. Mm -hmm. So that's always going to factor in. Yeah, 100%. And not not to mention that, like, I think Asian parents as well, growing up in all of the comparisons to their their peers oh, yeah. and their peers' children, um, I'm sure that doesn't help that much either. Um, but <laughs> either way, I think that was that was sort of the, the pullback from me. Um, but there was also a push, right? So, of course, with Colab, like, I definitely needed to see certain traction with the program and our offerings prior to making this jump because yeah. I definitely was not going to uh, <laughs> make such a, um, a reckless decision. It wasn't, wasn't going to be that blind a leaf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I wasn't there yet. You know, um, <laughs> I didn't love collab that much, but, but I think uh, I'm also lucky to have, um, you know, sort of proven it out, spent all of those months really working two full-time jobs to figure out whether it was going to be the right move. Um, yeah. And so just happy, happy that it turned out all right. That's amazing. 
Yeah. So that turning point for you was when that graduate from your program landed the PM job at Microsoft. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and actually, now that I really think about it, I think there was one other reason why I really just needed to um, stop working two jobs and just pick one. And it was it was just mental burnout. Um, <laughs> yeah, seriously, because yeah. I just wasn't <laughs> able to like there was no break. There was no weekend. Um, and even now there's not that much weekend, um, but at least yeah. there's less context switching because previously it was yes. just you know, I got to do this, I got to do that. Maybe they need to happen at the same time. I don't know. Um, and I, I really was just getting really burnt out and was becoming very unhappy as well. Um, and I think yeah. that was part of it as well. Just knowing that, no, I, I need to pick one because this, this really is impacting just a lot of other things in my life. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah. It is a lot of mental load having to, yeah context switch definitely yeah. as a freelancer i do feel that <laughs> oh yeah that's true yeah how many products or like projects do you do you work on at the same time uh so myself i've got uh i've got okay right now i've got one client with two large projects and a couple of clients who do a lot of piecemeal work mm. but even then during the day it's like context switching on average between about two or three clients and then doing this and i also have my own software development things that I'm trying to do starting up myself. So that's a lot of context as well as, you know, parenting <laughs> and <laughs> running a, a podcast, then yeah. trying to get your pot. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. And I mean, parenting, especially, tough. I think it's just like, whoa, that's a whole other can of worms that <laughs> I know. And so like the parenting thing is like 80% and I've got 20% left for everything else. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh. That's, that's tough, but yeah. kudos to you for pulling through and just letting sheer passion drive that. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much working on sheer willpower alone right now. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, no. Yeah, that's all good. Yeah, but absolutely understand. And, it, and it's so great that you're able to come to that point where you go, yeah, this is, this is where I want to go. This is the thing that I'm going to invest my time and energy in. And yeah, it's amazing because it's looking so great. Okay, yeah, I was just thinking as well that, you know, this is kind of like a training included version of Startup Weekend. So, mm -hmm. you know, Startup Weekend, it is the same sort of idea where they get, you know, a couple of uh, different people from different parts of a business, put them together and just let them run with a product and, you know, mentors, but let them go and build a thing. But this bit, mm -hmm. you're also including the training to get them up and building that community as well. And yeah, it's very, very cool. And so many different ways for everyone to get into this space mm -hmm. yeah we just wanted to add a bunch more offerings because even like one of the things that we think about it is also hey it's sort of like an extended hackathon um with mentorship yes, and like you know with yeah. a curriculum but the problem is that for a lot of people who you know already don't feel comfortable going to hackathons you're just yes. not going to leverage those things and as you said before you don't know what you don't know Right. So you don't yeah. even know about hackathons if you're completely outside of the space. Um, yeah. So. So, yeah, that's definitely why we really wanted to just create something like this and have have it as an avenue for people that might not have or might not know of other options as well. Yeah. And it's a safe environment for them to know that there's no dumb questions because mm -hmm. everyone else has, you know, this, you're coming in. I, I said before that they've got a wide range of experiences, but you're still coming in from the same baseline. And the baseline mm -hmm. is that I want to get in 
and mm-hmm. I need to know how to do that. And yeah, being able to have that environment to be able to know that, yes, you can ask these questions. These are the things that you can do, have at it. And mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, might move on to a couple of other little questions. So what hobby or interest do you have that's most unrelated to your field of work? Probably dance. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, I, I love all types of dancing. I just love dancing in general. I actually used to be part of a competitive hip-hop dance crew. <laughs> oh, cool. And, and I also was... Um, when I was in high school, I performed like traditional Chinese dancing and stuff like that. Oh, nice. So I've always been a fan um, and it continues now. I just sometimes take breaks during the day <laughs> that involve oh, dancing cool. in front of my mirror and stuff. So probably definitely that. Oh, and that's nice. Yeah. So you know, anything else other than hip hop or just, you know, just general movement dance? I think probably just general movement <laughs> dance. <laughs> just That's anything cool. that inspires me to move to the beat. One of the the funny things is that my, my first dream job, you know, how a lot of people, yep. when they're younger, they want to be a movie star or a singer. I, I wanted to be a go-go <laughs> dancer. Um, oh, so I think dance awesome. has always been something that I'm super enthusiastic about. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's amazing. So I guess pandemic kind of, limits that a little bit but you know still have your mirror (laughs) yeah exactly the best partner one can ask for (laughs) definitely cool and which childhood book holds the strongest memories for you probably the the series of unfortunate events um it's it's a super long series i think there's 13 um books and i i devoured that series i loved it so much um, yeah, I, I just love those kinds of things. And actually speaking about it, it makes me want to reread it again because <laughs> that's how much yeah. I liked it. Definitely. Did you watch the series? I did a little bit, but I, I watched the movies, but um, yeah. I, I wasn't, I don't know if I liked the actual show. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read the books, but I watched the series and I just got progressively more annoyed. <laughs> oh no, I swear yeah. this, the books are probably better. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. Yeah, you're not the first person to say that. I mean, it's not, you know, uncommon for people to say the books are better. But yeah, mm-hmm. definitely heard that I need to read the books and not watch the series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, now you got to make time in your twenty percent time to read these books, though. I know it's hard. Exactly, I do. It is. I've got like a backlog of a dozen books at the moment, all in various states <laughs> of being read. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and you tell yourself, "Oh, I'm reading them. Oh, they'll be done." Yeah, and some of them, like, I started a couple years ago, so it's it's all very inconsistent, but it's all right. And what advice would you give someone who wants to do what you do, or what advice should they ignore? Um, I think what the advice that I give is just do it. Just do <laughs> um, it. Similar to how we started off this call, it's, it's really about, hey, the time that you use planning, like, you can never plan your way into a successful business right? You're always going to fail and no amount of planning is going to make up for it. I take it from me. I am someone who plans almost everything. Um, cause yes, I, I mentioned, yeah, I'm like super disorganized and stuff, but, but I, I'm also very, a very, very, very big planner. Um, and I do think that if I didn't have like my co-founder or other people in my network to continue to push me to also just do it, 
I think I would definitely <laughs> struggle with it. Um, so it is something yeah. that I would want to share with other people that, hey, just just do it and you'll learn so many more things along the way than the time that you spent planning from reading how other people did it. <laughs> Definitely, um, yeah. And so, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Analysis paralysis isn't absolutely a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. yeah, very cool. And what advice should they ignore? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm someone who really doesn't like speaking in absolutes. Um, So that being said, I also hardly ever take anything that anyone else says in absolutes. So to me, it's like, as soon as anyone gives one piece of advice, I'm always going to question it anyway. So it's like, what what could I possibly say? Well, I guess, I mean, yeah, then I guess it would be, hey, if someone tells you this is the only way to do something, question that. Question what the ultimate goal is, question the possible solutions that currently exist. And out of that will probably come the pain points and interesting solutions for or interesting problems that require solutions. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant advice. Yeah, because, yeah, you you don't, everyone's advice comes from their own kind of experience and Mm -hmm. that's not your experience. Yeah, exactly. There's so many ways to achieve the same thing. It's just about honing what's right for you and like forging that path for yourself. Absolutely. That's brilliant. Okay, well. Thank you so much, Helen, for speaking with me today. It's been absolutely wonderful having you on and talking about your experience and your journey, which, you know, as non-linear as it was, it really, you know, does, it was actually a logical progression in the end. <laughs> it, it, it worked out and everything that you did learn along the way helped to get you to where you are now with CoLab. And that's absolutely amazing. Yeah. I mean, thank you again for, for chatting with me. It was it's super fun and and a hundred percent. I think we we are the ones that define what logical means for us. Um, so just excited to be able to sort of share my journey and excited to also see what others get up to. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And it's wonderful knowing that all these people running through this idea that you know you and Shifumi came up with are able to achieve mm-hmm. these goals and getting to do the things that I really do want to do. Yeah, super happy to be seeing that impact and just excited to be making more, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so if people want to find out more about you and what you do, where can they go? Um, so yeah, to learn more about Colab, you can go to www.joincolab.io. Um, you can also just search You Belong in Tech um, and we should be up there as well. So that's our entire moniker and mission. And if you want to connect with me, you can connect with me on Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, my tag is Heyo Helen, H-E-Y-O. Wait, H-E-Y-O. <laughs> and then H-E-L-E-N. Oh my gosh. Um, but but yeah, feel free to DM me on Twitter and stuff. I'm, I'm pretty active there. So Excellent. Thank you so much again. This has been absolutely wonderful. And yeah, I hope you have an amazing rest of your late evening. Yeah. Thank you so much and have a great Tuesday. The Common Catch-22 is where you're expected to have experience to land jobs, but you can't gain experience without landing one in the first place. This affects people in tech, let alone those who are trying to get into tech, and Colab really helps to bridge that gap by giving people real-world project experience, on-the-job training, and mentorship in one intensive package. All of that combined gives you the confidence to know that you do belong in tech, and have the knowledge to take the first step in your new career. To learn more about Helen and what we discuss on this show, or to connect with us, please visit the Steam Powered website at steampoweredshow.com. 
You can also reach out to Helen on Twitter and LinkedIn at HeyoHelen, that's H-E-Y-O-H-E-L-E-N, and find out more about Colab at joincolab.io, the links for which will be in the show notes. If you enjoyed this conversation and want to hear more like it, subscribe to this podcast and share this with your geeky or geek curious friends. You can also support Steam Powered on Patreon and Ko-fi under Steam Powered Show, the links for which will also be in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.